Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. We bless your name today, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You ready to praise and worship God? Amen. Can I get everyone to get up on their feet? Hallelujah. We are a chosen generation. Call forth to show his excellence. All I require for life, God has given me, and I know who I am. We are, we are a chosen generation. Been called forth to show his excellence. All I require, All I require for life, God has given me, and I know who I am. I know who says I am and what he says I am where he says I'm at I know who I know who God says I am where he says I am where he says I'm at I know who I am I'm working in power I'm working in miracles I'm working miracles I live a life of favor I know who I am I know who I'm I working am. in power I'm working in power I'm working in miracles I'm working miracles I live a life of favor I know who I am I know who I am How many of y'all know who you are in Christ today? Hallelujah You're working in powers, you're working in miracles Yeah, yeah, yeah.
working it. I'm working in miracles. I live a life. I know who I am. Said I'm working in power. I'm working in miracles. Take a look at me, I'm a wonder It doesn't matter what you see now Can you see his glory? Said I know who I am Take a look at me, I'm a wonder It doesn't matter what you see now Can you see his glory? I know who I am Hey ho Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. How many know there's a river where his living water flows? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, put your hands together. There is a river. Where goodness flows, there is a fountain that drowns sorrows. There is an ocean deeper than fear. The tide is rising, rising. There is a current stirring deep inside. It's overflowing from the heart of God. The flood of heaven crashing over us. The tide is rising. Say bursting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, say bursting. Say bursting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We come alive. We come alive in the river. We come alive in the river. The current stirring deep inside is overflowing from the heart of God. Crashing over us. Oh, say bursting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We feel it. Say bursting. We come, we come, we come, yeah. We 
Jesus loves us. He loves us through thick and thin. It's a never-ending love. And because of that love, we know and we feel and we respect that love. So we give that love back to him. So we want to sing to you today, oh how we love you Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's just lift up our hands and just give God a worship right now at this, at this moment. Let's just give God praise and thank him for his love. Hallelujah. God, we thank you. We love you. We praise your holy name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory, glory to God. Hallelujah. Lord, my heart is yours, it all belongs to you, I give you all the glory, yes, I love you, I worship and adore, I want to tell you more, oh Lord, how much I really do love you. And I love you 
You worthy, you worthy, you worthy, you worthy, you worthy. There's nobody like you. I search high and low. I can't find nobody like you. Come on, watch your minute. Who said you're worthy? You're worthy. You're worthy. There's nothing that we can ever go through that would ever stop your love for us. And for that, we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you for your unmatchless. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Come on, tell him how much you love him. Hallelujah. Tell him how much you love him. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. We give you glory. We give you honor. Yes, we love you, Lord. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Love you. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. I love we love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Bask in his love, hallelujah. Bask in his love, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do you love him? Do you know that he loves you? Do you know that he loves you? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Take this opportunity, no matter what you've been through this week, no matter what you did last night, he still loves you, hallelujah. No matter what happened this morning, he still loves you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Give him praise. Thank you, Lord. Good job, choir. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Saints, it's so important to know that, that he loves us. Amen? Welcome to church this morning. Welcome to World Changes Church Houston. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Glad to have you here. On behalf of our senior pastors, pastors Archie and Melissa Collins, we welcome you. Amen? Good to see you this morning. Those of you streaming live by YouTube, we welcome you as well. Good to have you in church this morning. How many first-time visitors do we have? This is your first time here this morning. Amen. Two here, three here. Amen. In the back room here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Amen. Show them some love. We also take this time. Let's put 60 seconds on the clock. Let's take this time and show each other some love. Show them how we welcome each other here at World Changes Church. Houston, amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen, amen. There's something about welcoming each other and, and the love of the Lord and giving that holy hug, amen. That holy high five, that holy handshake. Nothing like loving on a brother and sister in Christ. A few announcements this morning. Um, first announcement, Creflo Dollar Global Missions requests you kindly consider helping serving our community by providing food boxes baby items, and cleaning supplies. We're also collecting donations for our annual Thanksgiving feeding families and Christmas toy drive. To contribute, please mark your offering CDGM Outreach for donations to our bi-weekly outreach and or CDGM Holiday Outreach for our holiday events. We appreciate all your contributions which help us make a mark that cannot be erased, amen? So I went a little fast on that, so we want to definitely give donations, and you're going to mark it on your offering envelope, CDGM Offering or CDGM Holiday Outreach. New Members Class Fall 2019, new members, come on. If you want to join this ministry, here's the time to be involved. New Members Class Fall 2019, please we're pleased to announce our upcoming accelerated new members fall class. Accelerated meaning it's one day, Saturday, October 19th, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. If you're interested, please sign up at the communications desk. Only one day, one Saturday, amen? From 9 to 3, come on. If, you, if this is a uh, church you've been attending, you've been coming, you want to be a part, Saturday, October 19th. Last announcement, world, uh, last announcement, World Changes Church South. Amen. Having a church on the south side of town, you guys, is awesome. We're able to invite individuals that live on that side of town 
to come out and visit on Thursday nights. Cordially invite you to join us for live anointed preaching every Thursday at the South location in Pearland. Invite your family, friends, and coworkers who live in that area to come see what we're all about. Awesome word. What you're getting here, you're also getting there. Amen. Doors open at 6 p.m. Corporate prayer starts at 6.30 p.m. Service begins at 7 p.m. Details are available at our communications desk. If you're interested, if you have anyone that live in that area that you definitely want to invite, but they think the drive is too far, they can definitely come to the Parallel South location. Amen? A real quick word of uh, encouragement. Romans, I'm sorry, Romans has been in my spirit for some reason, but James 1, 5. Do, and this is the easy to read version. Do any of you need wisdom? Ask God for it. He is generous and enjoys giving to everyone. So he will give you wisdom. The message version says, that verse says, if you don't know what to ask for, ask him and he will give it to you. Amen? Anyone, that's anyone, any one of you, anyone under the sound of my voice, if you need an answer from God, you ask him. Amen? Ask God why? Because he already has the answer provided. He, always, he already has the answer you need. You just have to ask. Ask in believing that with the answer that you're seeking, the answer that you need, is already done. Amen? Y'all believe that? We just have to ask. Because the word says what? He will provide it. Another version says he enjoys. He enjoys giving you the answer. But he needs a, a, a people that believe and, and a people that's willing to do what? Ask. Amen? Ask believing and he will provide that word for you. God is good, y'all. God is good. He's already made the way. It's already provided. We just have to ask. Amen? We just have to believe. It may not be the word that we're expecting. Amen? But the Holy Spirit is the one that provides wisdom. If you ask and if you believe, you put it to test and try it. Amen? Amen. Now it's time for agreement. We, in this church, we believe in agreement. The power of agreement is awesome. The power of God's word is awesome. We're going to ask prayer counselors to come on down. If you have something that you've been asking God for, but you just sense in your spirit that you want some agreement, now is the time. It doesn't take long to agree. You don't have to tarry, amen? It just, it's just a matter of coming, touching and agreeing with a brother or sister in Christ, amen? So now is the time. If there's anything you want agreement with, our prayer counselors are here. Come on down for agreement, amen? Say you, you. 
are Alpha and Omega and Omega. We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to be praised. We give you You can do better than that. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. 
ahead and take out those communion elements. Let's go ahead and remind ourselves of what we already have. Amen. I said, let's remind ourselves of what we already have. Amen. If you need communion elements, just raise your hands. The ushers will be more than happy to get them to you. This bread represents the body of Christ. It was his body that went up on that cross that healed you, that set you free, that made you whole. It is his blood represented in his juice that redeemed you. Your freedom from sin cost something, and that was the blood of Jesus. It cost him his life. But he gave it, and he gave it willingly. He gave it freely. Why? Because God loved you so much, he sent his son for you and I. So what you're holding in your hands is the reminder that all is well in every area of your life. Say that with me. Say, all is well in every area of my life because of what Jesus did. And I believe and have faith in Christ. So as you take this bread and take this cup, I want you to do that and do it in remembrance of him. In Jesus' name, you may eat and you may drink. Father God, we thank and praise you for the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that because of what you've done, all is well in every area of our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Come on and give God another hand clap of praise. Welcome. Welcome to church. Welcome to World Changes Church, Houston. We're glad that you made it out on this morning. Amen. Are you ready to get into the word? Somebody say, y'all starting kind of early. I told y'all, y'all better get here. You better get here. It's football season two. You better get here. <laughs> y'all know what happened at noon. <laughs> Amen. Uh, we've been talking about the fact that we are right uh, rulers who live right. To, to, we've been looking at how do I live right as a Christian, as a believer. If Jesus has done all this stuff for me and all is settled in my life, how am I supposed to live? And we've been walking down this path of understanding that if I'm going to live right, I have to recognize who I am and whose I am. Amen? Now, we've studied the word and seen uh, in several places that uh, because of what Jesus has done and made in, in his act on the cross made us righteous. Is that true? Okay, so if I want to be righteous, do I live by the law or do I believe in what Jesus did? Right. I believe in what Jesus did. The law does not make me righteous. And what I'm saying, the law, what I'm talking about is the 613, you know, laws that were given um, by God to the children of Israel uh, via Moses way back in the Old Testament. That was God's way of showing man that man needed to get right with him and would need him in the process. But unfortunately, what we've done in the church is we've taken that and we've said, if you want to be a Christian, you must first believe on Jesus, which is true. But then we've added, if you want to stay saved, you need to do what it says in those commandments. So we've mixed the new covenant with the old one. Amen? It's like you having a contract for your house, 
and it's time to renew, or what do you call it when you refinance? Imagine if you're refinancing that loan or something like that, and then you say, well, I'm gonna keep the new one and the old one and just mix them together. Is that gonna work? Is that even gonna be legally binding? You're gonna end up with no house. That's what you're gonna end up with. There's a new contract or a new covenant, but we're trying to mix the old one with the new one, and that's what we've done in church today. We've said, you know what? Yes, you can be saved if you believe on Jesus, but you better do this, 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 and this if you want to stay saved. And we've come to the conclusion that I am saved not by my behavior, but by his behavior. I like the way, the way our World Changers Nation has been saying it with all of our pastors around the, around the world. I am saved not by my performance, but by the performance of Jesus. When he was on this earth, he became the perfect sacrifice, fulfilling the law, having no sin. And through his performance of having no sin and then becoming the sacrifice on the cross, because he performed, I don't have to. I can't outperform the great performance of Jesus. I said, I can't outperform the great performance of Jesus. What are, you, what are you saying? What are you saying? What I'm saying is, is I remember asking somebody, because they were like, Archie, I hear what you're saying, but and we were standing right there. They were like, but um, I just believe that if I sin, it's going to mess up my salvation. I said, if the blood of Jesus paid the price for your sins once and for all, what you're saying is if you perform badly, that performance outdoes the performance of the blood of Jesus. I said, do you believe that? And man, she hesitated. But I think pride rose up on the inside of her and she was like, yes. I said, your actions cannot outweigh the blood of Jesus. Now, now, you just got to decide whether you believe that or not. It's the truth. But how many guys know just because you're presented with the truth doesn't mean everybody believes it? Amen? I know we, we feel bad, and because we feel bad, we have to place those feelings and then have to say, because I feel bad, because I did bad, I must deserve punishment, because that's kind of how our, our world works. Our world doesn't operate by unconditional love. We don't, we, that's not how school works. I said, that's not how school works. The American school system doesn't operate un under unconditional love. You have to earn and you have to achieve. And if you earn and achieve, you're rewarded. And of course, you know, there's, there's, there's proper placement for that. Don't get me wrong. But we've taken this worldly system and then we've put it into the church and then tried to understand God through a system that's of the world. We now have said that God also wants to operate with us off of performance and achievement. I got some news for you. That was never his intention even from the beginning. He didn't want man to know evil. That's why he said don't, don't eat it at that tree. That's the tree of knowledge and good and evil. I don't even want you to know about that. All I want you to know is my love. I want you to eat of the tree of life so that you will forever know of my unconditional love, period. That was his design. That was his plan. That was his intent. And when Jesus came as the second Adam and grace was made available, we went to his original intent, which was that we know his unconditional love 
and we could not outperform his love. I got some news for you today. You cannot outperform the love of God. You cannot outperform the love of Jesus. So as a believer, how many believers I got in the house? I want you to really start asking yourself, what are you believing in? What are you believing in? Because some people believe that they should be a Christian. And that's, that's correct, but that ain't enough. Some people believe that there's a God. That's correct, but that ain't enough. Doesn't the Bible say even the, even the demons believe in that? Just to believe in God, you're just on a demonic level. Good, good job, good job. What sets us apart is we have faith in Christ. And to just say I have faith that there was a Jesus, that's not enough. To have faith in Christ is to say I have faith in what Jesus did on that cross and that it redeems me from my sin. To say that I have faith in Christ means that I am believing in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that says, for by grace I am saved. Through, what's that word? Faith. And then it literally says, not of yourselves. Guys, I'll put that scripture up for me real quick. And it says, not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. That's the Bible. That's the word. And that's what sets us apart from all these other religions or all these other things. And you got to be careful because people nowadays, they'll, 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 they'll trick you. I think Paul wrote, who's bewitched you? <laughs> I believe in Jesus too. Uh, yeah, but what do you believe about Jesus? I believe in God, but yeah, but what do you believe about God? Do you believe that God loved me so much that he sent my Savior, who is grace, who is the word, who is the truth, and as a result, I am now saved, not by my performance, but by, but by my faith in him. Now, you believe that, then we're on the same page. Well, 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 I, you know, I just, I just believe that, that you have to still, you have to still make sure that you go to God, and every time you sin, you got to repent. Now, I believe that anytime you sin, you should have a repentant heart. Don't get me wrong. We, none of us should be just habitually sinning. We're going to look at some things in a minute that'll show you how the end result of grace should never be sin. It should be not really possible for you to live a life of habitual sin if you're truly believing God. Amen. So we're not preaching sin. But if we do sin, 1 John 2, 1 says, you have an advocate with the Father. It literally says, do not sin. Amen. But then right after that it says, but if you do, you have an advocate with the Father. What does that mean? That Jesus is sitting up in heaven reminding God, like a lawyer, hey, remember, this case is already settled. Remember, I already took the punishment. I'm advocating for them. Yes, what they just did was utterly stupid, but I'm here advocating for them. My blood rested this case already. So see, that's what makes it not fair. Because how many of y'all messed up this week? <laughs> but his blood is continually erasing the penalty for your sins. He took, he took the, erasing it from your record. 
Let me make that clear. It's erased from your record. It's on his record. Did you hear that? He took the punishment, the penalty. He took it all on for you. That's why when you see people in church and they just weeping and crying, saying, Jesus, I love you, and Jesus, thank you, that's what that's about. I've been saved literally most of my life. And I used to sit in church and be like, why are these people so emotional about this? Because as a kid, you kind of don't get it. It's like, yeah, I love Jesus. He saved me. Thanks. But now at 42, almost 43, I'm looking and I'm like, oh. <laughs> you get some dumb stuff under your belt. You start realizing like, oh, <laughs> he saved me from that. He, he, he fixed that. That's not on my account. That's erased. Oh, when I said that, when I did this, it was already forgiven. And it will literally, somebody say, don't say this, it's a bad confession. No, it's not. It'll blow your mind. <laughs> it's beyond what I could literally actually think. I'm like, how? Why? And the only answer is, because I love you. That's the only answer. And when you begin to get a revelation of who Jesus is and what he did for you, you begin to fall in love with your Savior. You, believe to, you begin to fall in love with God who sent him. And then once you begin to understand again who you are and where you are, you're in a safe place. I said, you're in a safe place. I'm not talking about just here physically at church. I'm talking about you're in a safe place as it relates to God. And you need to allow that peace to be your assurance that all is well with me and God. That's a big thing for Christians. Most of us spend our entire lives trying to get right and stay right with God. You're right with God. I, I, let's just settle that. You are all right with God because of what Jesus did. Once you settle that, the next question should be, well, what am I supposed to be doing then? If I'm not supposed to be just coming to church so I can stay right with God and sowing so I can stay right with God and let me make sure I clap so I can stay right with God during the songs and let me make sure I raise my hand. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You be in church as a teenager, you better raise your hands. I'm tired. My arms hurt. This is the seventh song. In an hour, and I, I got to raise. You, you be trembling, <laughs> muscles all sore and stuff like that. So you go from this to this to this to this <laughs> to this. And, and I, rem, I, I personally remember struggling with that as a young teenage Christian of like, man, I suck because I cannot keep my hands up for this entire song for this entire worship set. I must not be anointed. I must not be tapping into the power of God because he should be able to help me keep my hands up. <laughs> Moses, they had, he had Aaron and them to raise his hands and, and I ought to have some spiritual angels to help me hold my hand. I mean, how, 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 how just, not only dumb is that, but just how, how uh, what's the word I'm looking for? How much bondage is that? For a young person raised in church thinking that because I can't keep my hands up, God's not pleased with me. And that's the type of stuff we taught. 
but do I, do I, should I raise my hands in worship? Sure. But is God mad at, mad at you if you don't? No. What about the people with the broken arms? <laughs> I know that's extreme. Extreme, and we put these absolute truths out there like, order applies for everybody, and then you start finding out, wait, y'all just made that up. You just made that a rule. It's like we got rid of the, the, the well, not got rid of, but we, some of us, we stopped going by the 613 laws, as we should have in that sense, but then we start making up these new Christian laws. It's like we got some new tablets and some new stone and said, now, thou shalt pay at least $1,000 every time you come to church if you want to be anointed and become a minister one day. Thou shalt not miss one church service ever. Uh, thou shalt make sure that you wear long dresses and no makeup and da-da-da-da-da. Thou shalt never come on the stage with a hoodie on on a Sunday. Uh, thou shalt make sure that, uh, you know, I mean, people going to leave your church. Uh, it, you know, we, we created all these rules. But what if you just want to be comfortable? Somebody showed me the word where it says you can't be comfortable in church. I'll wait. I literally had somebody tell me, I want my preacher to be in a suit. I said, well, let me know when you find them. I wear a suit when I want to wear a suit. I don't want to wear, I don't like wearing suits, and when I wear them, it's cool, but I don't want to. And then how can I preach freedom if I'm in bondage? How can you go out here and witness to this world if you're in bondage at your church? I mean, how crazy is that? And then we wonder why stuff ain't breaking loose in our lives. Because you ain't broken loose yet in your own relationship with God. You have to understand, use free. And so as free folk, we now have to live like it and act like it. Amen? See, this is weird for some people because you ain't never heard freedom preached. You don't even know what it looked like. You're like, I don't know if I like this. Yeah, it's, it's like the elephant that you, know, you see the video of on social media and stuff that it got the chain on it. They chain it to a tree and they're getting to train it to not go nowhere. And then they eventually take the chain off of it and the thing won't go nowhere. Why? Because it's so used to bondage, you don't even know what freedom feels like. And that's why, you know, world changes, you know, you got churches getting attacked and all that stuff, and people want to attack Dr. God and stuff like that. It's because they don't know what freedom looks like. That has some of us, not, not all of us, but there's some of us. And this is what freedom sounds like. But what God showed me is you come to this conclusion of, wait a minute, if I have nothing left to do to be saved, then what am I supposed to be doing? And that's what we've been talking about you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus according to the word. It says you're united with him. Last I checked, he's ruling. Last I checked, he was responsible when he was on earth to leading people to the love of God. Last I checked, the wind and the waves and everything else had to bow down to the will of God and the authority of God that was operating through Jesus via the Holy Ghost. Last I checked, you're united with him, co-heirs to the power of God. What did he give you this power for? To keep yourself saved? No, he gave you this power to change this world. 
And that's what we're supposed to be doing, not spending time trying to make sure we stay saved. You're saved. But there's an entire globe out there, an entire round, not flat, earth out there that needs you. That's what we're supposed to be about. So we're studying on how to rule. Not how to be a Christian. You are, you are, you are, say this with I am a Christian. Because I got faith in Christ. Now you've settled being saved. If you believe what you just said, you're saved. How could it be so simple? Because God didn't want to complicate it. That's the only answer I got for you. But now, every person in this room has something God has called you to do. Every person in this room has the Holy Spirit on the inside of them to empower you to do something that no one else but you is supposed to do. Now, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what that is. For Pastor Melissa and I, this is part, did you say, somebody say part. This is part of what we're supposed to do. Because I want to I let you in on something when it comes to your purpose. It's not just going to be one part. This is a multi-part series for your life. There's some neat things we've done in our life that we would have been fine if that was it. But every time we start something new, he say, he telling me and my spirit, it's only the beginning. I'm like, well, how many more beginnings are we going to have, Lord? Can, can, we, can this just, can we be in the middle? But when God finds people that are willing to trust him, he can't help but to keep you in rotation. He can't help but to keep you playing. Did you, you, I don't know about you, but I want to be on God's permanent playlist. Just keep me rolling, Lord. Just, just keep me on repeat. I'm just, I just want to keep just doing what you want me to do. So you're a ruler. Say that with me. Say, I'm a ruler. But in order to rule right, we've been learning that we have to believe right. Everything I was just talking about, everything I just said, we have to get to the point that we're renewing our minds by the word of God so that we'll make right decisions based on his voice and his word. Because I don't know about you, but I, I was trained and conditioned very well in trust and education, trusting what mom and dad said, trusting what this leader said, trying to hear God, but he was somewhere in the mix. We say he number one, but in reality, when the rubber met the road, we, we start just making decisions off of other stuff. No, the Holy Spirit's the only voice that we should be following. I said the Holy Spirit is the only voice that we should be following. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So right living indeed is right ruling. Here's the four things that we said, we're, and we're, we're still on number two, uh, but here's the four things that we said we have to have if we want to rule right. Uh, number one, uh, to rule requires maturity. To rule requires maturity. The Bible is very clear that uh, we were once slaves and then we became children, but then it talks about we need to now mature because you don't put power and responsibility and authority in the hands of children. Amen? 
while you are a child and an, and an heir, you got to grow up to begin to operate in what God has set aside for you. So somebody say maturity. maturity. The number two thing we talked about was we have to have the right attitude so that we can successfully follow the will of God. We have to have the right attitude so that we can successfully follow the will of God. We're learning and have been learning, and this is the one we've been on for some time now, that my attitude is the setting of my mind. Is my mind set to everything we just talked about? Do I really believe it? My attitude is responsible for what I believe. If I have an attitude that says, Psh, I don't believe none of that, then you won't believe it and you won't have any effect in your life. If you have an attitude that says, ah, I believe some of that, but not the other parts. I know it says that in the word, but I don't, I don't know if I believe that. Then it won't have any effect in your life. And you won't be able to function as a ruler on this earth. It just is what it is. It's, I, it, you know, at this point, we can't kind of play, keep playing these Christian games. Like, well, if you do that, you'll get part of it. No. Some of us have been trying to operate by half-truths that have been taught us. How's that working out? You get so far and then nothing, then so far and nothing. The last I checked, when Jesus was on earth, it worked. When he, when he said something, it happened. He walked in his authority, that was it. That's what I'm talking about. That's how you, as a world changer church Houstonian, will be living, amen? I told somebody the other, other day, I, I think it was our congregation here, that we look at the stories in the Bible and while there's good things to get out of, uh, in Matthew through, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's good things to get out of the stories and the parables, don't get me wrong in what I'm about to say, but we've been identifying ourselves as the wrong person in those stories. Because you're saved and you're united with Christ, you're the Jesus in the story. You're supposed to be looking at his life to see how he was getting stuff done. But what we keep identifying with is with the people who didn't have him. Those folks didn't have him. They didn't have power. They didn't have ability. They didn't have the Holy Ghost. They didn't have might. We definitely should look at those people when we're, getting, when we're making a choice to get saved. Yes, man, preach those scriptures to folks who need salvation because they'll see the woman with the issue of blood. They'll see Mary and Martha. They'll see all these people who needed Jesus. And that's how you get to know, like, oh, that, I'm like that person, I'm like that person. And then they'll identify themselves and say, and he was the answer. But once you get the answer, you don't keep going back like you the woman with the issue of blood. I need Jesus to heal me. You're healed. I need Jesus to answer me. He, he gave you all wisdom. And see, that bothers some people. Wait a minute, now you... You, you wait, I, I've, I've always identified with this, but that's part of the problem. You keep identifying as someone who doesn't have all of him. And so you keep going back to him, asking him for more. And he's like, I've given you everything. And what it's done is it creates a condition in your belief system that you don't have everything you need from God. And let me tell you where that leads you to. When you don't think you have everything, you fall into the trap that Adam and Eve fell into. That I have to now do something to get more of him. Now you fall into the new religion of performance-based Christianity. I don't, have, I don't have my healing right now. I don't have the prosperity that I'm promised. I don't have, so now I must need to do something. 
If I can just get to that preacher, if I can just get to that offering bucket, if I can just get to whatever, and you're trusting in that thing more than you are Jesus. I love the guy in the Bible said, Jesus, listen, here's the deal. You don't have to show up. Just send your word. Just send your word. Now, mind you, that guy wasn't saved, but he had faith. I think Jesus called it great faith. He said, you just send your word. Now, here's the deal. The word lives on the inside of you and I. If you're a believer, we got the advantage that that guy didn't have. And so that's why I said, where's your attitude set and what are you believing? Because if you don't believe that you have that power on the inside of you, you know what's going to happen? You're going to keep going to Jesus, asking him to do something that he's already done. And because, let me just real talk, and because he's physically not standing in front of you to tell you, you already have it, that's why it's good to come into a church that lets you know that. Because you physically will have somebody standing in front of you saying, you already got it. This, this whole first 30 minutes, that's all I've been saying is you got it. You got it. You got it. You got it. If I could say it in Spanish, I would say it. Anybody know how to say that in Spanish? How do you, you say you got it in Spanish? Okay. I know some of y'all speak Spanish. Huh? Say, say it again. Oh, no, you got to say that loud now. One, two, three. Tulo quienes? Lo tienes. Okay, there you go. What they said. You got it. Okay, it could be that one too. Yes. Our translation ministry getting started. Amen. <laughs> Help me out. But you got it. You got it in Spanish. You got it in English. You got it in uh, Ebonics. You got it in whatever. You got it. I don't care if you, every Sunday you come back, I, 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 I love the fact that I get to remind you as your pastor that you got it. That you got it. Because one day it's going to click. And you're going to say, Pastor, we got that we got it. Now what's next? You got all that he has to offer. And see, and once you settle that, you will overcome the temptation to now try to perform to get what you already have. Trying to be like God without God is like one of, if not the biggest sin that one could find themselves in. And that will cause you to ultimately fall away from grace. Because you'll get it to a point to unbel uh, in unbelief. Unbelief in what? You're not believing in what Christ did. You're not believing that it was enough. Somebody say this with me. Once and for all, I believe that he did, that he did. Enough. enough. So now you got to be like Paul. You got to learn how to be content. See, that's what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about settling for stuff. He was saying, listen, if Christ did everything for me, then whatever I'm seeing, whatever I'm hearing, whatever I'm feeling, I'm not worried about it. I'm content. He said, whether I based or abound, it doesn't make a difference, I'm good. Why? Because I know the promise is I got the victory. I know the promise is I have the victory. So I'm going to stay, somebody say stay the course. Stay the course. 
by the, that's the title of today's message, by the way. He's, he's, I'm going to stay the course. I'm not getting off the course because I'm good. Amen. They say they ain't going to pay you this week. I'm staying the course. Amen. God didn't tell me to quit. I'm going to keep... Uh-oh, she's talking, talking to me. <laughs> she, uh, it doesn't matter what happens in your everyday life. You have to make up your mind and set your belief system and set your attitude, I'm staying the course. That's who God told you to marry. And he didn't tell you to stop, did he? Don't answer, just look straight ahead. Some of y'all are like, uh. No, you stay the course. Amen? Now, y'all know how I feel about abuse and all of that type of stuff. I am not saying that if uh, somebody's physically abusing you and this, that, and the other, that God requires you to stay in an abusive relationship. We, we talked about that. We looked at that in the Word. That is not of God. And if you need help with that, come and talk to us. We can show you some things in the Word. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. But I'm talking about you mad at each other because you're burning the bacon. Stay the course. You mad at each other because you can't figure out how to do the bills right. Stay the course. You mad at each other because you can't figure out how to communicate with one another. Stay the course. Stay the course. And then allow the Holy Spirit to be your umpire. He know them better than you do. And if you yield yourself to him and you submit and you're willing to be a vessel of unconditional love, you'd be amazed at what's going to come out. Can I just be real honest with you? He'll instruct you to do stuff that you ain't going to stand doing. I just might as well be just honest with you. 23 years, babe, ain't that right? Yeah. Some stuff you can't stand. It ain't love if you like to do it, by the way. That, that's your qualifier. It's not love if you like to do it. He's not going to have you doing stuff you like to do for your spouse. But that unconditional love will be the key to break down every wall in your marriage. Because now, because you're letting love, who is God, get involved in your marriage, now he can deal with stuff. Oh, this must be for somebody. Because <laughs> this ain't got nothing to do with But he will ask you to do stuff that you don't want to do. But the Holy Spirit knows how to change your want-tos when you submit to him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Somebody say, going back to the number three, class. Okay. Okay. Number three was we have to be transformed. And number four, if we want to be rulers and live right, We'll do it just like Jesus did with the help of the Holy Spirit. So we have to be transformed, and then we'll do it just like Jesus did, number four, uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit. So right attitude be begins with right what? Believing. If I believe in what Christ did, that will set my attitude in the right direction. So now that we know, that our, know our authority and know who we are in Christ, we have to learn how to expect the victory. Now that you know your authority, you know, we, we drew the whole cross and then we drew the chair and drew the fact that we were seated with Jesus. Now that you know who you are, you should be expecting authority every day of your life. A victory. You should be expecting victory every day of your life. I said every day. I said every situation. I mean, I'm talking about not losing. I'm talking about that Old Testament victory. 
Y'all know what type of victory I'm talking about? I'm talking about that victory when they lost a few soldiers. They were like, wait a minute. They were so used to winning battles with hundreds of thousands of people. And they wasn't losing nobody when they were fighting for God. And when they lost a couple of people, Joshua and them were like, wait a minute. There's some sin in the camp somewhere. Because we don't lose people. I said, we don't lose people. We don't lose money. We don't, we, don't, we don't lose in health. We don't lose in marriage. Not a day, not a minute when I'm trusting God. See, we don't got apathetic in the church. We don't got to the point that it's just like, well, a little bit of loss. That's just, that's just how it is. No, I, don't, I believe my God. Jesus took all the loss so that I could have gain. I expect victory after victory after victory after victory after victory. Not because of what I'm doing, but because I serve the one who was overcame. My God ain't a 99% God. What's that song you used to say, 99 and a half won't do? That performance-based Christianity song? Yeah. <laughs> you know that's what it was. I was rocking to it too. So I'm saying that, that just, just, just almost enough of your performance ain't going to be enough for God. But they had it kind of backwards. It's 99.5% of victory won't do. I want 100% of victory. I demand 100% of victory because I serve a God that literally is more than enough. And so you got you to gotta set your mind to believe that. Stop settling for defeat. Now that you know your authority, now that you know that, expect victory every day. So as a ruler, you got to know now how to achieve this victory. How many of you guys could use some help in achieving the victory that's already yours? Yeah. Let's go to uh, Philippians chapter 3. We'll look at uh, verse 1. So we got to stay this course if we want to see the victory. You want to see the victory at the end of the day, one of the things you're going to have to do is just stay the course. And we'll tell you what that course is. Philippians 3.1, let's look at the uh, New Living uh, translation of this, and then uh, we may look at a couple of different uh, versions. There's somebody else. Siri be talking to us, don't she? We got the little auto-listen feature on, she... I'm sorry, what did you say? Um, Philippians 3, y'all got that? Uh, let's pop it up, up back there too, but I'll, I'll read it from up here for right now. It says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, do what? Rejoice. Whatever happens, do what? Rejoice. Rejoice, but in who? Rejoice. Not in you, not in your situations. It says, whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. Paul says, I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. That's very important. Go back to the beginning of that scripture. He says, whatever happens. What's, what does that mean when he says whatever happens? Whatever. Anything. No matter what occurs. No matter what happens in your life. No matter what just pops up. Rejoice. 
You want to know the key to your victory? Rejoicing. You're not rejoicing because of the situation. You're rejoicing because of your attitude is set to the right place, then you know you already got the victory. Oh, they said you had cancer? Rejoice! Because I know healing is mine. They say you broke? Rejoice! Because I know prosperity is mine. They say your kid's about to do this, that, that. Rejoice! Because I know my children are taught of the Lord and great is his peace. I rejoice because I got joy based on what I know. And I know that Jesus, my Jesus, has already won me the victory. I got, I got to decide though whether I believe that. It's the truth, isn't it? And that's why he said, whatever happens. I love that Paul has the perfect way of saying things. It's like, whatever. So that you can apply it to anything in your life. Whatever happens, you should find yourself rejoicing. Now, in the natural, rejoicing will only happen if you, in your head, believe what Christ has done. Amen? Amen. That's how that spiritual truth translates to this world. If I don't rejoice, I am not resetting that mind. And instead, if I am sad, beat down about it, then I'm allowing my mind to be set in the opposite direction. And now fear, instead of faith, will begin to go into action. And that thing that you're fearing, guess what? It's going to come to pass. Let's keep going. Uh, verse 2. He says, watch out for those dogs. He's not talking about canines because he said those people who do evil. Those mutilators. Now, now who is he talking about? It's so aggressive. Those mutilators. Now, here's what he's talking about. He called those who are dogs those who are doing evils, those who are mutilators, he said, those are people who say you must be circumcised to be saved. That's some pretty heavy words for those who say you need to be living by the law. That's what that's talking about. Circumcision was a part of the law, and he was saying, listen, here's the deal. Evil people tell you you're supposed to live by the law. Dogs, mutilators are people who are telling you to live by the old covenant. I didn't say it. Paul said it. Don't be mad at me. He said, evil people tell you it's about your performance. It's about your actions. It's about your activity. Why? Because that flies in the face of grace. Y'all got real quiet on that. Amen. Somebody said, Pastor, when we're quiet, we're thinking. Or waking up. Amen. That's all right. Uh, verse 3. It says, for we who worship, now he's going to give you the other side of this, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. Why? We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? Now, let me help you understand something. We are not saying good works aren't good. I'm going to show you some things in a minute. 
I'm saying, like I told you before, we got good works out of sequence. We've made good works the main thing. But what it is is Christ's works are the main thing, and then my belief in those works will eventually produce good works. But good works are not what make me right with God. And Paul said, and if anybody tries to tell you that, they're evil, they're dogs, they're mutilators, you don't need to listen to that. See, we put no confidence in human effort. Keep going. And then, and then this is very important to understand. Uh, he said, though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. Now, this is important. We've been talking about this for the last couple of services. We don't often point out a lot of who Paul was before when he was Saul. And he's going to give a quick little bio of himself to prove why he's one of the people who are saying this, and it really should mean something to folks. He said, if anyone could have confidence in their own effort, I could. He said, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was like, why? He said, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. He said, I am a Jew and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He broke it down and said, I'm a real Hebrew. <laughs> if there ever was one. He said, listen, if there's a person who's been living by the law, if there's a person who grew up in the law, if there's a person who understands this, it's me. When I was Saul, I was all up in that law. That's what he's saying. He said, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. This guy was the guy. And he's saying, it's all about grace. Keep going. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. Now, that's a nice way of saying it. Paul was rounding up Christians and getting them killed. You heard the stories about the Roman Colosseums and stuff, and they throw the Christians in there with all the animals, and they rip them apart and stuff like that. Paul was like one of the dudes delivering the Christians because he believed the law to such a point that he was helping people get murdered. But then on that road to Damascus, he had an encounter with grace. And it's just like God to take one of the most unqualified jokers and have him become the orator of his grace. Stop letting people make you think that you're not worthy and that you're not qualified. If Paul can preach grace, you can do whatever God has called you to do. He says, and as for righteousness, being right with God, he said, I obeyed the law without fault. Verse 7, he said, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. Other translations say dung, doo-doo, poop, crap. He said, they're rubbish, they're nothing, 
because of what Christ has done. When I put the law, circumcision, uh, being a Pharisee, and all these things against Christ, he says it's nothing. All that performance will never outperform Christ. All that doing, all, that, all those sacrifices, all that stuff that we had to do, he said it's nothing compared to what Christ has done. Church, be careful that you don't create all that stuff again in 2019 saying that I do this, that I do that, and I am this, and I am that, and, I, and I've, I've been saved this long, and I such and such and such and such. That don't mean nothing. nothing. Thank you. Nothing. Compared to what Christ has done. Yes. You got to make up your mind that you believe in him more than you believe in you. Verse 8. He said, yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Verse 9. He says, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. He said, and become, what does that say? One with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through what? Faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on your works, your actions, how much money you give, how often you go to church, the position you have, how many people you got saved. It says, through faith, and that's faith in Christ. So let me ask you this very simple question. How many of you guys believe in Christ? How many of you guys believe in Christ? How many of you guys believe in what he did for you? And if you say, yeah, that's me, then you're in fantastic company. Now here's something that becomes the battle at the end of the day is to maintain that faith. Amen. Fighting the good fight of faith is not about you going in the closet and fighting a spiritual battle against demons. It's about you fighting this fight of faith. Are you going to maintain your belief in what Christ has done, or are you going to fall away from grace and start believing in your actions? That's the fight of faith. That's what Paul said. Remember back to verse 1. He said, I'm telling you to rejoice in whatever happens so you can safeguard your faith. Safeguard your belief in what Christ has done. Because if you stop believing in what Christ has done, you're going to start thinking you got to do something. Let me show you this. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Uh, I think we'll start with verse uh, 2. Go to Galatians 5, 2. Paul says, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I was more plain than you can say than that. And I don't ever want to be in a place where Christ is not benefiting me. But it gets better. Verse 3. 
He said, I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised or following the law, you, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. You can't just go get circumcised and then bust hell wide open with every other law and think you're going to be right with God. He said, you got to do all of them. Keep going. He says, for if you are trying to make yourselves, you see that? If you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. Not because Christ doesn't love you. Not because God cut you off. You cut yourself off. Unbelief will cut you off from Christ. Why? Because I don't have no faith in him. I don't believe he's even there. I don't believe his work is there. I don't believe in his work, so I'm cut off from what I can't believe. We've always read that as God has come down with some sword and like cut you off. That's not what it's saying. It's unbelief is the problem. And your unbelief cuts you off. Now, as soon as you believe, you're on. He's not going anywhere. He said he'll never leave you nor forsake you, right? So he can't say, I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you and then run away from you. He's saying, I'm, that's, that's the great deception. He's saying, I'm right here. But your unbelief is like you turning your back to me and now we're cut off. Not because of me, but because of what you're doing in your mind. It says you have been cut off from Christ and this is what it means when he says you have fallen away from God's grace. Here's grace who is Jesus, who is uh, Christ, who is the truth, who is the word. When I make a choice that I no longer want to believe right, which is believing in what he did, and I want to instead believe in myself and my ability or something else other than him, I begin to fall away from grace because grace is over there and I'm over here. Not because grace doesn't love me, not because grace is not available, it's because I'm choosing to not believe. Somebody says it's, it's as simple as believing. It always has been. These scriptures didn't get wrote in the last 24 hours. You ought to be upset like I was when I started seeing all this stuff. I was like, my God. First of all, thank God for Dr. Donald and Pastor Taffy for having the wisdom and the boldness to step out and, 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 and make adjustments and do what needed to be done based on the truth and the word. But second of all, what was all the other preachers doing? All my life, fooling around and only had part of the truth. But praise God, we are where we are now. He said, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Go to Galatians 2.17. So how are you made righteous? Faith in who? Yeah, faith in Jesus, faith in Christ. Galatians 2.17 says, but suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ. And then we are found guilty because we have, keep going, abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? He says, absolutely not. Not doing the law does not lead you into sin. Actually, the opposite is true. Melissa, can you come up and uh, help me write with this? She write better than I do, y'all, so give it up for Pastor Melissa. <laughs> Can y'all see that? Can y'all see that over there? Not yet, not yet. Y'all see, okay. Cool, all right, everybody see that? All right, so one of the things we have to understand is 
you have you have grace on this side and then you have the law on that side. And what we've done, like I said over the years, is we've mixed the two, uh, but thank God for understanding because we're not uh, we're not mixing them anymore. So we have to understand that grace is Jesus, go ahead and write it down, is Jesus who is the word, who is the truth. And as you are looking at the word, you have to understand that they all are the same. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So what this scripture is talking about in particular is that Christ, who is grace, the word, and truth, will not ever lead me to sin. He can't lead me to sin. So put maybe no sin or something like that. So for somebody to say, I'm under grace, and then people to turn around and say, oh, that means you're saying you can get away with sin. It, it doesn't equate. Because Christ will absolutely not lead me to sin. You want to know what does? Go to Romans 5.2. Or sorry, 5.20. Let's read this together. Ready? Read. God's, oh, New Living Translation. Ready? Read. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. God's law was given, and you know what comes out of that law? Sin. 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 We gave the example, I think, on Wednesday that if there was no speed limit out there on Highway 6, if there was no law, you wouldn't know what was wrong. You wouldn't know how fast is too fast. The law brings about an awareness of sin. And then there's one scripture that says the law actually strengthens sin. To try to live by the law is just going to increase sin in your life. But to live by grace to live by Jesus, the word truth, to live by Christ will result in no sin in your life. Now somebody say, wait a minute, but I'm still sinning. Well, that's the renewal process that has to take place. As my mind is being renewed and God is transforming me and the Holy Spirit is transforming me, as I follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit cannot lead me to sin. You're trying to have a sin-free life. I'm telling you, let the Holy Spirit change your want-tos. I'm telling you, let God transform you. You're trying to get out of sin by, uh, Melissa, under law, put a performance. Because that's what the law talks about, right? Perform. You're trying to get out of the law through your performance. I mean, out of sin through your performance. The more you perform according to the law, what's going to happen? The more sin that's going to come. But if I trust in grace, which is based on, go ahead and write Jesus' performances. Yeah. 
This is all about his performance. And the more I trust in his performance, the more grace, according to this scripture, is going to abound. What is grace? That's God's favor. That's God's forgiveness. That's God's love. That's God literally washing away my sins. I don't know about you, but I know what side of this I want to be on. I want to be on the side where Jesus has outperformed anything I can do. If you understand that so far, say amen. So I need to have faith. I'm going to put Christ up here too. Watch how much better her writing is than mine, see? <laughs> I'm going to have faith in Christ. <laughs> and as I have faith in Christ, grace is made available to do all it needs to do. But if I want to trust in my performance, if I want to trust in circumcision, right, circumcision over there too. If I want to trust in circumcision or I want to trust in the law, then I'm making Christ of no effect. Remember that scripture we just met? Read? I'm making grace of no effect. I'm making Jesus of no effect. You quoting the word left and right, but you don't believe really in that word. You believe in your performance. You're making the word of no effect. And all of a sudden, you find yourself constantly in sin, not because grace or Christ or Jesus is leading you, it's because this performance is leading you. That's the danger of performance-based Christianity. You have to understand its relation to the law to understand why it's bad for you. If you live your life by how good you think you can be, you are on the wrong side of the board. Now, we have the Holy Spirit, go to, uh, right Holy Spirit under there? The Holy Spirit is on the inside of every believer. Is that true? And the Holy Spirit is the one who will lead you, he will guide you, and he will direct you. And like I said, he will never lead God or direct you to any sin. Is that true? Whose Holy Spirit has led them to sin? That's why when he, ladies, uh, where are my singles ladies at? All my single ladies make some noise. Yeah, okay. So, when he come to you and tell you that God said you supposed to be his wife and then he try to tell you that we supposed to get in that bed, he ain't the one. Because the Holy Spirit ain't going to be telling nobody to sin. Aren't you? Why you got to say that? You got to say that nowadays. Because people will, will tell you that the Holy Spirit said, we had people in the, uh, the Atlanta church coming up to people telling people that even though they knew somebody was married, that God said, you're supposed to be my spouse. The Holy Spirit is not going to lead God and direct me to sin. Grace, truth, they're not going to lead me to sin. So I can easily understand in this world whether somebody lying or not. That's, that's how that practically helps you. Because if it's sin involved, that ain't, that ain't the Holy Ghost. I said if there's sin involved in that business deal, that ain't the Holy Ghost. If it's sin involved in that relationship, that ain't the Holy Ghost. I know it's tight, but it's right. The shoe fit, wear it on and tie it tight. That's... that's that's, that's how you rule and live right on earth. As you begin to govern yourself by the truth of the word. And that's why I'm telling you, the objective of grace is always holiness. 
That's why Paul said, are you thinking I'm saying you can sin? He said, of course not. Just because you're free by grace doesn't mean you end up in sin. If anything, you're free, and now you end up in following the Holy Ghost, which will have you following everything that Christ has done. Amen? Or believing in everything that Christ has done. So, uh, I need to have faith in Christ and stay away from performance-based Christianity because at the end of the day, performance-based Christianity is sin. At the end of the day, it is sin. Are you seeing that? So my victory over all of that is in my belief, in belief in what Christ has done. Go with me to uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Get ready to wrap this up. Philippians 3, 12. Are you getting something out of this today? Amen. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things, this is Paul talking, uh, that I have already reached perfection, verse 13, oh sorry, but I press, somebody say press, press, press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me, verse 13. He says, no dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Where does focus happen at? In your mind. I focus on this one thing, forgetting. Where does forgetting happen at? In your mind. Forgetting what? The past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Keep going. I press on to reach the end of the race. Sound like somebody standing at course. To reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. But he said, I'm pressing and I'm forgetting. I'm pressing and I'm forgetting. Forgetting what? Forgetting all the old stuff. Forgetting those who hated on you. Forgetting those who did you wrong. Somebody said, wait, you sound like you're talking about forgiveness. I am absolutely talking about forgiveness, including forgiving yourself. You cannot run the race with weight and baggage of unforgiveness in your heart. Because... What you're doing is, is you're back in self-preservation. You're back in performance mode. Yeah. I'm holding on to this because they hurt me or that hurt me. He said, you got to let it go. You got to let go of the past. I said, you got to let go of the past. Love cannot operate when there is no forgiveness. Love is there. Love is powerful. But it cannot operate. It hits a brick wall if it hits your unforgiveness. Some of us, we got things not fully working in our lives because you believe everything I said until we got to this. And see, part of my responsibility is to show you the truth, but then show you all the pitfalls to that truth of why they may not be working in your life. To show you how to clear up any blockages. It's no good just to show you the truth and then not say, now let's, let's internally examine ourselves. And this scripture is an internal examination of you to say, are you forgiving? Am I forgiving? And forgiveness begins right there in that mind or, or the heart as the, body, uh, as the Bible talks about and calls it. Somebody say this with me. Say, I am, I am. a forgiver. And see, once you make your mind up that you're forgiving, now you can run. Why? Because you've cast aside those weights. 
need to take off that weight vest. You take off them leg weights. Take off all them weights you got on you so you can run swiftly. That's what it means to press. I'm, I'm running swiftly towards something. But you got to cast off the weights. You got to let it go. He is your justice. I said he is your justice. He will get vengeance for you. Has Jesus not settled everything concerning you? I'm trying to show you how to have victory. Your victory is in your belief that he has already won the case on your behalf. Your victory is in your belief that he has already done what needed to be done on your behalf. I know you looking for blood. But I need you to trust in the blood. That it has done everything that needs to be done for you. So that you can be free. No longer bound. See, this is, this is not just talking about just, see, performance can happen in all, a lot of different ways. And we have to begin to peel, as, as Dr. Dollar calls it, peeling back this onion of grace. As we're peeling it back, we're finding that even in our hearts, in this area of unforgiveness, to hold on to stuff is self-preservation in you. And you're now performing in your mind, protecting yourself. Give not just your spirit, as you did when you were saved, but also that soul over to him. Every secret part of it, if you want to have victory. Amen. Amen. Last bit. Let's go. Uh, go with me to um, verse 15. Now, what I'm saying, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for children either. I'm talking about spiritual children. Paul says, let all who are spiritually mature agree on those things he just said. He said, if you disagree on some point, <laughs> he said, I believe God will make it plain to you. I love that. He, he's like, listen, I've said everything I can say. But at the end of the day, even if you don't agree, Holy Spirit will talk to you. He'll help you understand. Because it's still truth. We are maturing as believers. Say that with me. Say, I am, I am maturing, maturing as a believer. As a believer. Uh, James chapter 1. Uh, you know what? No, let's skip that one. We'll come, we'll come back to that one on Wednesday. Let's go to Galatians uh, chapter 5, verse 2. And I think this will be a good place for us to uh, close out. Galatians 5, 2. My kids were telling me, you'd be closing like forever. I'm like, well, I'd be thinking I'm done and then I ain't done. <laughs> All right, we'll be done here for real. Galatians 5, 2. Paul says, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right uh, with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Keep going. He says, I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, keep going, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. He said, for if you're trying to make yourself uh, right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Verse 5. But we who live by the Spirit... Eagerly, uh, uh, eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in who? Christ Jesus, 
There is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. He says, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. Verse 7, you were running the race so well. He's back to the race. He's back to the course. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God. For he is the one who called you to, right down there, freedom. To freedom. Somebody say freedom. freedom. This false teaching. Who do you, what are we just talking about? What's the false teaching that we learn? That I got to live by the law. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads throughout the whole batch of dough. Now, before I actually read this and understood it, I've been thinking a little yeast was talking about just sin in general. It's talking about sin, but to just say sin is incomplete. He's talking about the teaching that we must live by the law. He said that, mixing just a little bit of that in there like you do with yeast and bread, he said it'll mess up the whole thing. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. Verse 10. He said, I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? Keep going. If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. They were lying on Paul at that point and saying, you know what, that guy Paul, remember he used to be Saul? He's not teaching grace, he's teaching the law. He said, if that was the case, why are they still persecuting me? He said, no, the message, the way is still grace. Last scripture, verse 12. He said, I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. I didn't mean to end on that one, but <laughs> Paul said, you might as well just castrate yourselves. Why? So you stop sowing these seeds of confusion. So you stop sowing these seeds of doubt. So they stop sowing these seeds of unbelief. The seed that we're supposed to be receiving is the seed of the word of God, the seed of grace, the seed of truth. The seed that will never lead you to sin, but that will always lead you to the grace of God. You have to determine today that I believe and have faith in Christ. And because I believe in him, I'm going to stay the course that he's put me on. I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to believe in him. I'm not going to turn to the right. I'm not going to turn to the left, but I believe God. And that's enough. Somebody say that with me. Say, I believe God. I, believe God. I have faith in Christ. I have faith in Christ. And, that's and that's enough. He did enough. He did enough. And because I'm united with him, I am, enough. I am enough. Go ahead and give God praise for that. Amen.
Father God, we thank and praise you once again for your word on today. We thank and praise you for your wisdom, your guidance, your direction, your leading. We thank you that we are indeed enough because you are more than enough. And Lord, we thank you as we take this word and continue to meditate on it throughout this week. We will be able to stay our course, not trusting in our ability to run, but in trusting that you've already given us the victory. Jesus, we follow your example in this race. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise. And I speak over every life in this room and every life on that feed. And I say we are blessed in Jesus' name. I say we are victorious in Jesus' name. And just like nothing can separate us from your love, nothing will separate us from your victory in every area of our lives. We believe it and we receive it in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Well, we love you guys so much, and we'll see you all after service. What an awesome word. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. 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 What an awesome word. Hallelujah. Thank you. Now it's time to exercise that belief, that trust, have an awesome opportunity to give unto the Lord. You know, it's important to, uh, when, you, when you give, we're not asking for you to give to keep the lights of this church on. We're not asking uh, this opportunity is not for you to give so we can get this opportunity to give is for you to exercise your faith and your trust in God. Amen? Because the word you heard today, so if God already did it, it's already done for you. No matter what you give, whether you give or not give, it's already done for you. Amen? You cannot give today, and that's okay. That does not mean that God will not still do what he said he's going to do for you. Isn't that awesome? That's the God of grace. Amen. Now, there's often envelopes that are on the, pew, the pews in front of you, so you can use those envelopes to give. Or you can exercise your giving by text. Those of you that um, are streaming in by YouTube, you can also give by text as well. So take your opportunity, prepare your giving, and, uh, and just allow God to use you in this time. Amen? It's always an awesome time to give because sometimes you write that number and the Holy Spirit might say, no, add another zero. Amen? Or take away a zero. Amen? It's all belief. It's all, it's all um, faith-based and belief-based uh, when you give. Looks like everybody's ready, so go ahead and hold that offering up or your phones up. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to give unto you. We thank you, Father God, for this opportunity to bless, to bless the kingdom, Father. We thank you that as, as these monies are, are sold, or these tithes are given, we thank you, Father God, that you would bless abundantly, Father God. Bless the faithfulness, bless the belief in Jesus' name. Because the individuals stepped out and believed, we thank you, Father God, for a bumper crop for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, go ahead and serve and, and, uh, so everybody can give. This is also the opportunity, so we never want to Take for granted that all of those here, amen, that heard the word today have accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So there's an opportunity to come today 
to accept Christ and say, Lord, I want what I just heard today. I want Christ. I want Christ. I want that relationship. Secondly, if you heard us in the announcements talk about new members uh, class in October, if you have not joined this church, but that's on your heart, now is an opportunity to come and, and become a member. And thirdly, you heard talk of the Holy Spirit. We all have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. But we also have the opportunity to accept the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the evidence of speaking in tongues. If you've not received that gift of speaking in tongues and it's something that you want, now's the opportunity to come as well. We have individuals that will take a moment and explain that uh, to you and, and, and walk you through that process. So go ahead and stand to your feet. Amen. Thank you for coming. Maybe there's someone that is thinking about coming. They have not come yet. So take a moment, those of you around you, and just kind of ask individuals if they need any of those three things and help them come on down today. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. What a wonderful opportunity. Wonderful opportunity. Thank you. Come on, ma'am. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. It's time. It's, it's, it's an awesome time to be in the house of God. Amen. Amen. Growing in him. So any more? Any more? Amen. We don't want to rush this opportunity. We don't want to rush this moment. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Okay, let's go ahead and stretch our hands and, and, and let's thank God. Father, we thank you for our uh, brothers and sisters that have come. We thank you that their needs are met, and we thank you that you will, will meet them abundantly. Thank you that um, every concern they have, or every thought that they have, every need that they have, they will not leave today without those needs being met in Jesus' name. We thank you for their, uh, for their faith. We thank you for their belief in coming and exercising that, that, um, that faith. And we thank you, Father God, that you will bless them, and they're already blessed. They're already blessed, and we thank you that they will obtain what they need in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good. Amen. God is good. If you, if you know of anyone that should be in this house, amen, and, and, and they're not here, take the opportunity to invite your neighbor, to invite your coworker, to invite your friend, to invite your family member. Amen? Let's go ahead and raise our hands and be dismissed. Father God, we thank you for this awesome word, this awesome service. We thank you that this will be a week of blessings in our lives. We thank you that as we go out and we exercise your grace, we thank you that all that has been done for us, we thank you that we will see the manifestations of it this week as we trust you and as we believe. Any situation, any circumstance that we face this week, we thank you that it's already done. We speak to it now and say it's already done. And we thank you that, that when we come back next Sunday, we'll come back with testimonies and, 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 and awesome thanksgiving because of what you did in our lives this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all dismissed. Be blessed. We are a chosen generation. Call for to show his excellence. All I require, All I require for life God has given me. I know who I am. We are, we are a chosen generation, called forth to show his excellence. All I 
require. All I require is the life God has given me. I know who I am. I know who God says I am. What he says I am. Where he says I'm at. I know who I am. I know who God says I am. What he says I am. Where he says I'm at. I know who I am. I'm walking in power. I'm working miracles. I'm a life of faith. I know who I am. I'm walking in power. I'm working miracles. I live a life of faith. I know who I am. I know who I am. Oh, oh, oh. 